Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit CelebrationChurchLive.com. Uh, kicking off a series where it's just going to be a short one we're going to do through the rest of January. Um, and we're looking at this idea of staying connected, um, being connected to one another um, and being connected to God is absolutely vital. So if you got your Bible app, you got your bulletin, however it is you're going to track with us, um, then we're going to lead off with this idea that God created life to flourish um, when we are connected to others. Um, all life exists in some sort of ecosystem. There are different things contributing to life flourishing. Life doesn't exist in isolation um, in any shape, form, or fashion. It just, it just doesn't function well. We're, every life flourishes when it's connected to its proper ecosystem. You and I are designed by God to function in what the New Testament calls the body of Christ. And if you're new to this, that can sound kind of vague and weird. But really what it is, it's, is it's the people of God connecting together. Um, imagine um, that if the body of Christ were made up of a bunch of cells, just like your body, um, then you and I are one, each one of those cells. And as the cells flourish, then it's able to do everything that it needs to do. But if it gets disconnected, then that's where pain and suffering really begins to, to come in. And I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Um, starting verse 16, it says, Paul is writing, it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I think we would all like some more of the power of God at work in our life. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. Here, power shows up again. Nobody wants to be powerless. Nobody wants to be weak and inept. We all want, and we're, we've gathered here because we believe that God wants to empower us. God wants to make a difference in our lives. But here's this thing that he says, I want you to be empowered. And he's talking to us. But there's this very next word that you may have power together. <laughs> I'm going to find my power together. Lord, can I have my, can I have my dose of power by myself? Um, you've seen the people I have to deal with all the time. I don't know that I want to do this together. I'd rather just have my power and I'd be able to do this and be able to, to move forward in that. No, he says, know that you may have power together, together with all the Lord's holy people. Do you know all the Lord's holy people? A bunch of them worship very differently than we worship. Some of them would actually be offended at what just took place on this stage. They're still part of God's holy people. They've called upon the name of Christ. They've stepped over from death to life. They've placed their faith in Jesus, and we're going to spend an eternity with them. So guess what? For us to be able to really grasp and get a hold of these things, we have to make sure we allow a spirit of unity and connectedness within the body of Christ to exist. 
That's why we celebrate every Sunday. We say it every Sunday that there are a lot of wonderful churches in this community because it's true. But we say it because if we don't talk about it and keep it on the forefront of our minds, we will drift back into this space of feeling like maybe we do it right and everybody else is kind of doing it a little off. And the things will begin to disconnect. So we have to keep it on the forefront of our mind. But we're going to have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide we're going to see he's talking about the love of God. God's love is wide. God's love is long. God just keeps loving. You're like, God, are you still loving me? He says, yep. Yeah, I am. His love just keeps going. It's just, it's long. God's love is longer than a James Cameron movie. It is just long. It just, it just keeps going. God's love is long and it's high. God's love just goes and you can't see the end of it. And God's love is wide. I love that God's love is wide. Because as we're moving forward in our relationship with, high, relationship with him, what is wide? Wide is to the left and to the right. Well, we're moving forward. So what is to the left and to the right? It's these places where we're like, huh, maybe, maybe this person's supposed to be over here. Maybe this person is supposed to be over here, but guess what? God's love is wide. It keeps on loving. God's love is, is amazing. It is wide. It's long. It's high. It's deep is his love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is the way where we cannot really be full with an understanding of who he is outside of our connection with each other. We can't do it. You by yourself cannot grasp it. That's what this is. You can't grasp. It's outside of your reach. But yet it's what God wants us to have. So how do we do it? Well, guess what? God's called us to do it the way he's called the golden plover to live in the two places he built for the golden plover to live. You may not have heard of the American golden plover. My pastor, John Holler, um, had uh, talked about the golden plover for years. And the American golden plover is American because it lives in only two states. It lives in Alaska and Hawaii, okay? Those states are 2,400 miles of nothing but ocean apart. Not these little islands here and there. Literally nothing but ocean between Alaska and Hawaii. And the golden plover lives in both places and goes between both places twice each year. Now the golden plover is not a big old goose or a big old duck or some giant bird that can store up a lot of fat. Golden plover is a small bird. Usually weighs about five ounces. It can get as lean it's four and a half ounces, and it gets under four and a half ounces, and it starts to, it, it's going to die. It starts to get sick. It, starts to, it doesn't do well. So it's normally, it's normal just walking around weights four ounces. But when it gets ready to make this journey of 2,400 miles, well, it acts like it's Thanksgiving, and it starts to eat. And it, puts on, it has some grub and some grubs and some worms and all this different stuff, and it packs on an extra 
two and a half ounces, and it gets to a full weight of seven ounces. Can you believe that? Little fatty seven ounces. And it gets up to seven ounces, and then it starts its journey of 2,400 miles with an extra two and a half ounces of burnable body weight on it. Here's the problem is science says, they've studied this little bird that makes this huge, they've just been baffled that a little tiny bird can make that kind of journey. And so they were looking at it and they're like, okay, well, it actually, at its burn rate, the way this little golden plover functions, it needed three ounces of extra weight, not two and a half ounces. It needs three ounces of extra weight. It is literally physically impossible for this golden plover to live in the two places it's built to live in. It literally can't do it. It would sit there and it would start and it would get about 400 miles from shore and it would turn into fish food. It'd just be done. 400 miles, didn't even see the shore. It would run out. It would starve its little self to death in midair. Just be terrible little video. It'd be horrible. All these little birds just dropping. Here's the thing. It's got also designed the golden plover to fly like black birds much bigger than it. They fly together and they too fly in the V formation. See, to make the journey the golden plover uh, needs an extra 20% um, percent of energy than it can naturally carry. But if it flies in the V formation, it burns 23% more efficiently. So it's able to make the journey with a little bit of spare. Now, 3% ain't much, but it apparently works and it makes the journey. So here is this bird that lives. It's designed to live in two places that it's impossible for it to get to on its own, outside of community. When it lives properly in community, that's when it's able to get to where it's designed to be. Folks, you and I, we're, God's called us to bigger things than we can get to on our own. It's hardwired into us. There's some desires and some callings and some assignments on your life that you're like, how can I? There's, I just don't feel like I can do this. And God says, you can't by yourself. But if you'll get connected with the people I've called you to connect with, all of a sudden you'll find that be able to make a massive difference in your life. Here's what's wild. is a little bird just takes off and he's like, you know what? I'm tired of you. Y'all picked on me. Y'all are a bunch of jokers. I'm done. I'm going to Hawaii. And he just takes off and he's by himself. Well, he's out there and he's just hitting that wind and he's just going and he's just doing it. And he's just burning all his energy. And, and he's like, man, this ain't, this ain't going to work. This ain't going to work. So he falls back, regroups. Hey, guys, I'm sorry. Um, I, I needed a Snickers or something. Can, can y'all let me back? And they're like, yeah, come on, buddy. You do this every year. And so, and then he gets back in line and he goes. And, and so, and then he goes, then he's able to rest and he's at the back end of it and he's just coasting. Everybody else is just, is just taking it out. And then it's his turn to be out front. And his turn to be out front feels like he's all alone again. He's working just like when he was doing it by himself. 
He feels like he's all alone. He's the one out there taking it on the, on the beak. He's the one out there handling it. And there are people resting behind him. Here's the difference. Is he gets to have a turn of rest this time. His alone time in community was making a difference for the rest of his community. The question is, is what does our alone time look like? Is our alone time... Is it going to make a difference in anybody's life? Is our alone time, spending time with God, spending time in his word, allowing him to restore us and rejuvenate us so that when we get back into community, which sometimes they're going to get out of line and their feathers are going to flap our feathers. Get back. You're my space. And sometimes we're going to be in one another's space. Sometimes it's going to do that. But guess what? Being able, being able, if we, if we do what God's called us to do, our alone time can be a place where, where we're not doing it alone. We're doing it in community, and it's making a difference for those and guess, behind us. And guess what? At some point, they reciprocate, and we get to rest. We get to rest. The beautiful thing with a golden plover is they embrace something God's designed for you and I to embrace. They embrace that, guess, sometimes you have to go full out, and sometimes you have to rest. Guess what? Some of you are the calling on your life is going to have you going full out. And some of it, you're going to be resting. And you have to embrace a readiness to rest. As we look at this, what this looks like moving forward, then when we're with this place of living in community in a healthy way, it all of a sudden, it allows us to do something we could not do on our own. Uh, starting today, um, we have a, a community that's here in, in San Angelo called the Hopper House. And uh, they have church there on their location. They're a sober living community uh, for men. And uh, they're joining us via video. Um, so from moving forward from here. And so what's up, Hopper House? So glad you guys are with us. Everybody's excited. But see, you're living this out already. You've understood that some of the struggles as you pursue in sobriety, that you needed a community. You are living this out, what we're talking about already. And guess what? Once you move out of the Hopper House, you're still going to need a community of people. You're still going to, that's why we've gathered here. We need a community of people. And so you're still going to have to be able to do that. But that's, you're living this out because the truth is, is God's grace and love in your life helps me to see the grace and love of God better in my own life. This, uh, we're doing the same concept, same series in youth on Wednesdays, and we just started youth ministry back up this past Wednesday, and I, it's my privilege, I got to speak uh, to the youth, and um, so I was speaking on this concept, and I had all of our youth workers, all of our youth team come up onto the stage with me, and then had them respond and to be able to move across the stage if they had seen God's grace at work in different areas of life. And so that they could, we could see that maybe not all of our experiences with God were the same, but when you put us all together, all of a sudden we've seen God's hand of grace at work in lots of different areas. So as we talked about the winds, I see, it's asked them, said, has you ever allowed, seen God use you and move and, and help increase and bless somebody else's life? And 
our youth workers would move across there and move back and, and then say, have you seen God answer prayer? And they would move across there and move back and then they'd begin to dial in and, and to things that were really specific and be able to see, you know, how many of you have had to tap into God's grace to deal with things like when your parents divorced. I've never had to deal with that, praise God. A number of our other workers have never had to deal with that, but some of our workers had. Some of ours, we talked about how you had to deal with God's grace to help you deal with bullying. Some, we allowed it to be a scale, and some said, yeah, I've had some mild bullying. And some of our workers went all the way to the end of stage and said, some of my life was marked by bullying. It was the dominant issue in my life as people were just attacking. And I've seen God bring restoration and, and, restor, and restoration and, and life and growth in that space. It changes. Not every one of us had been marked by that. But as we are able to see God's grace work in this person's life, in this person's life, as I said, has anybody had to walk through the grace of losing a best friend, a best friend dying? One of our workers walked out. The rest of us had not had to deal with that agony, but somebody had had to deal with that agony. And we we're able to see that God's grace can carry you through some really hard, painful things. And as all of a sudden, as we begin to see, oh, God's grace is that deep. God's grace is that wide. God's grace is that high. Wow. Wow. And then we take this room. We take this room, and there's some of you who've, who've had to walk through bankruptcy. Long periods of job loss. Some of you had to walk through things with the law. Some of you had to walk through personally being in jail, having a loved one in, in jail. Some of you had to walk through incredible betrayal. Some of you had to look towards God's grace for handling success. You know, success can be something that sets us back harder than even loss. Success can make us where we feel like we don't need God. Loss can put us in a place where we're just mad at God, but success can make us feel like we don't even need him. How do we embrace God's grace in success? And as we begin to hear one another's stories and allow God, that's how we begin to grasp how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ. You and I, we need one another. We need one another. See, God created us to thrive, to thrive in community. This is where real, genuine life exists, and it's always been that way. I want us to track back to how, when God built us. Let's go back to our moment where God creates. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Just a little side note here, okay? Um, work is not part of the curse of sin, okay? This is pre, this is pre the fall, okay? Um, having to 
make a living having to pull a life out of a miserable job that you weren't designed for, that's part of the curse of sin. But when you allow God to bring restoration into your life, he will put you to be able to work in the work he had called you to that's life-giving and actually gives you energy and doesn't drain you all the time. But work is not part of the fall, okay? What God desired, created us and designed us to be productive. It says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die, okay? Now, all they were supposed to do was just not eat it, okay? It didn't say they weren't supposed to touch it. That shows up later, and I don't have time to get into all that. But they, they could have, Adam could have thrown it like a baseball. Adam could have laid under the shade of it. He just was not supposed to eat it. That was the thing. Don't eat it. Now, here, God gives Adam the command, and the, 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 the thing says, don't eat it or you will certainly die. He, he lets him know, here's some parameters. And then look at the next verse. The next verse. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. He's like, I've just left this man alone with this thing that's going to kill him if he messes with it. This isn't good. I need to make a helper. Can we please once and for all get rid of the idea that Eve was the problem? Please. That is stupid, broken theology. God said, this guy is going to eat this if I leave him alone. His best help was Eve. She, they, they made the mistake together. Read the whole thing. Okay? But let's please say, oh, if it wasn't for old Eve, old Eve. Adam, was, he was going to do it. God's like, oh, man. This is not good for him to be alone. All right, let's do this. He says, I will make a helper suitable him. But let's look at this, okay? Because God sees it's not good for man to be alone and he has a plan on how to fix it. And you and I, I would want God to see a place of deficiency in my life, have a plan to fix it and immediately do the plan. That's what I want. I want God to immediately do the plan. But here in a place of perfection, of pre-fall perfection, God does it differently in the way that you and I would want it to go. Because see, God sees that Adam has a need for community, but Adam doesn't know he has a need for community. See, we must recognize our need for the people that God puts in our lives. Let's keep reading in verse 19. It says, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. No suitable helper was found. Adam sees all of the options now, how long does this take for him to come up with all of the names? You know, we felt like he was spitting them out pretty quick, right? You know, bat, cat, 
rat. We feel like, you know, he was just kind of, he was just kind of on a roll, okay? But at some point, he started getting a little more creative. Hippopotamus, yeah, moo. Platypus, sure. You know, all of a sudden, he, he, just, he, just, he just started. He was on a really good roll. I don't know how long this process took, but it took a minute, okay? So here is the guy who it's not good for him to be alone. God has a plan. I'm going to make a helper suitable for him and lets Adam go through the process of discovering there is no one for me. There's no one for me. And it was when Adam recognized he had a need, recognized he had a need, that now God's like, okay, you're ready to embrace it because you know you need it. He had the plan to provide it all along. But now Adam was ready to embrace it because he knew he needed it. There's a a new guy I've been gleaning from, a guy named Jamie Winship. Uh, if you look him up on podcast, you'll enjoy um, his stories. And so one of the things that uh, um, Jamie is just kind of guided by is this simple prayer of, God, what, what do I need to know? What do I need to know? Because so many times um, our problems are created because we run through the list of things we already know. And we don't come up with a solution, so we need to know something new. And so Adam needed to know something. He needed to know he was alone here. And guess what? He named the dog and he named the cat and still did not find his best friend. Your dog and your cat, great pets. They don't substitute. They don't substitute. So now Adam goes to sleep and God begins to change things. So you must trust God to bring the right people into our lives. Let's go ahead and look at verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then he closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. So now, it was not good for man to be alone. God formed and created, made the introduction. Here we are. Adam says, oh, wow, this is, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And he, he fully embraced her as his partner in life, as, as his wife, as, as the one God placed in his life. And when we look at this, we need to understand God put these two together, okay? They had no life trauma marring them, okay? They didn't have their parents totally messing them up when they were children and having you know, mental and emotional scars to make their life challenging. They did not have social media influencing their thoughts. They were created and crafted perfectly together. God brought them together. It is no denying they're with the right person And yet that did not mean their relationship would be trouble-free. One of the lies we secretly embrace is that the right people in our life, those relationships will be trouble-free. 
It wasn't true of Adam and Eve, and it's not true. You don't see a relationship in the Bible that was trouble-free. You don't see it. God put and connected lots and lots of people together, but they're not trouble-free. Adam and Eve stepped out of life into death together, had to leave the job they were designed to do together, leave their home together, begin to, to walk the path of restoration together, feel shame together, hide from God together. All of a sudden, this person that got placed in, in their lives, there's still significant pain. There's still significant challenges. There's, there was shame and, and blaming one another and all of that different stuff. So that is part of human relationships, and I get it. That's why you and I want to finally go, I'm done, I've had enough. God, you and me, we can just have our own thing going. And in the perfection of the garden, Adam and God had their own thing going, and God said it wasn't good. We cannot lie to ourselves and say that somehow if I just work on my relationship with God, I don't, I can, I don't have to have tight relationships or other people in my life. They're too challenging. We're good. And then it's good when God said it wasn't good. We have to make sure we step into this in the way God has called us to step into this. The Ecclesiastes tells us this. So many times we, uh, we think that relationships, there should be no tripping, no falling, no issues. But Ecclesiastes, as we're about to see, relationships are vital because there's going to be tripping, there's going to be falling, there's going to be issues. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Relationships are challenging, but life is harder alone. It's harder alone. And so you and I, we have to embrace this truth that we have to, to purpose to stay connected, to allow the people that God has brought into our life to understand that God knows what he's doing. Trust him, even through the pain, even through the disappointment, even through the bumping into one another and stepping on one another's toes. Guess what? How many times during the week do you make yourself mad? Well, of course, somebody else is going to do it too. You know your expectations and you mess them up. How somebody don't even know what's going on in your head going to get it right? We're challenging to ourselves. So guess what? But if we'll do these, face these challenges connected with one another, it changes everything. Our bottom line today is this, that your life can't be fully lived without being fully connected to others. That's just where the life exists. And so I want to create a moment right here and now for us to be able to embrace that first connection, the connection that was impossible without Jesus stepping in 
See, the first connection happened when God pursued us and he provided Jesus as the way to be able to step over from death into life. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.